Hey, y'all, you're listening to the God Center Mom Podcast, episode 162. And for you moms out there that may have little ones listening or even a little bit older ones listening, here's your earbud alert, because in this episode, I'm going to be talking with Jimmy and Josh Myers of the Paradox Podcast. It was that dad podcast I mentioned in the last episode, and we're going to be talking about pornography. And, you know, when we see that 50% strike that, more like 60% of active church-going men, uh, over, this is something, over 30% of active church-going women have intentionally sought out and viewed a pornographic website. Uh, Over 50% of pastors would say that they not just have seen pornography, but struggle with pornography. But we've got to train our brains to not just think about that reward, but what's the devastation that comes after the reward, the guilt and the shame, the relational disconnect, the spouse that's hurt. You know, a woman's core question that she's trying to answer specifically with intimate relationships like a marriage is, am I lovable? Um, But a a man's core question that he's trying to answer him, am I adequate? All right, we're going to go there. We can't deny it. Those numbers don't lie. This is not just a moral issue. Pornography is infiltrating our families, our homes, our relationships. It's it's a cultural shift that is happening. And so Jimmy and Josh, they have their PhDs in clinical counseling. They deal with this in their office on a regular basis, and they felt passionately about sharing with y'all some thoughts. So we're going to talk about smart technology with our kids, helping avoid the temptation of pornography What to do if you think you or a loved one has an addiction, considering the amounts of victims of pornography, and how to have healthy conversations about sex at home. What steps can you take in healing after porn has entered your married relationship because it is like a virtual affair, but then recognizing we need to treat the actions as wrong but not the person as bad. We don't want to bring toxic shame into those conversations. And this morning when I heard a sermon on John 20, I thought I need to pop in before we even talk about the topic of pornography and just bring a message of peace. (laughs) Because I think when we approach evil and our culture and the world, fear can just enter (laughs) our spirits and our souls and we we can be paralyzed. And for you listening as women, I know that that can be a tendency I have and maybe you have So in John 20, it's after Jesus has conquered death. He has taken on sin on the cross. He's been buried and he rose again. And he's bringing the scars, the the wounds, and showing the disciples that he's conquered. But they are in fear and barred up in their home. And he just, he appears and is with them and says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He was not at that point conquering evil. Evil still is in our world. Evil will not be dealt with until Jesus comes back again. But in the midst of evil, in the midst of persecution, these disciples are about to be sent out to spread the good news. And Jesus can't get rid of that. Pornography is here. It'd be awesome if we could totally eradicate it from our world. We can't just be balled up in a hole in fear. But Jesus says, I'm ready to be with you and to bring you peace And this conversation, my hope is that it brings awareness and it brings 
wisdom so that you can be ready, so that we can not allow Satan to use this tool to cause division in our homes and disruption in our families, but that we can be unified for the good news of the gospel and that we can bring get healing because he's with us. If, if this is already ripped through your home, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to be encouraged that there is still hope, that God is still a healer. He is still the most powerful being. He is conquering evil on a moment-to-moment basis with his strength and power through the Holy Spirit. So go to him. That's my little pep talk before we enter this conversation. And I want you to know, our family, we still use technology. It's not like technology is not part of our world. But one resource that has helped in limiting what my kids are exposed to is the Jelly Telly app. I have really just loved the fact that I can hand them. Uh, I can hand them the app already opened. And they can pick any show on there. And I'm confident that not only are they not going to see something they shouldn't see, but they're also going to be pointed to God's word and know that he is for them and that he loves them in a variety of different entertainment ways. From my preschooler to my 11-year-old, there's so many different shows that they love uh, from sports, five-minute clinics to uh, just cute little cartoons then that's Stevie's track I told you about before. We just there's such a variety that I know my kids are safe to watch. So, what are your kids watching? You know, with that app, they're gonna be able to find VeggieTales, what's in the Bible, friends and heroes, all in one place. So if you want to get a free week, an unlimited streaming of 300 plus hours of kids' Christian videos and movies, go to jellytelly.com today. And don't forget the coupon code, all caps, God Centered Mom just for you God-Centered Mom listeners, and you get a 10-page Jesus coloring book download in that first week of Jelly Telly Free when you sign up. Nothing to lose. All right, now let's get to my conversation with Jimmy and Josh. Here we go. Hey, Jimmy and Josh, welcome to the God-Centered Mom podcast. How are you doing? I am pretty good. (laughs) I'm slightly jet-lagged, but I am am loving life. I'm coming off quite the high. Where'd you go? Israel. Israel, the holy uh, land, the promised land. That's, wow, yeah. that's fantastic. Now, where are you hailing from? I'm in Dallas, and y'all are in. You're in Dallas, Austin. Austin. We're in Austin. Yeah, not too far. Yes. Not too far. Texans, Texans. So tell everybody, I'm so excited to have you on the show because I get emails regularly. Heather, God Center Mom's great, but what about God Center Dad? What about my husband? Where is he getting his his stuff from? And I recommend yeah. Paradox Podcast every single time. Yeah, and that's. My my wife came up with the with the same. Con- she does women's Bible study at church. She does mops, and she's always kind of like, "What what do guys do? Um, <laughs> what do guys really- do? They go to work, and then they <laughs> and they watch, watch sports. That's, that's, that's about it. That's about it." Was one of the 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 genesis of of kind of paradox podcast. We so we're professional counselors. Jimmy's been practicing for fifteen years. I've been um, practicing for ten. And most of the time, females drag in their male counterparts into the counseling room. And so we really uh, we saw an issue not only with that therapeutically, but also the resources are very limited out there for guys. And so we wanted to put something out there that not only will women enjoy, but also would be male friendly so that both partners can begin the conversation. Yeah, we're trying to get guys in on the conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to books, there's, you know, there's men's and there, you know, there's dad stuff out there. But in the in the realm of the podcast, 
it's it, when it when you're talking about marriage and family and parenting, it is a female dominated platform. Yeah, totally. And so with uh, what is it in the next two or three years, all cars are going to be Wi-Fi enabled. Yeah. Uh, and and the way we listen to radio is going to be so different. Podcasting most likely is just going to explode. Yeah, I mean, it and already it wanted, already has, right? And yeah. we haven't even reached our max. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> so we're just trying to get the guys in the room, basically. Well, and they're listening to something. It might be business or sports. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, even if I've read a great book for dads, it, getting my husband to read the book is... <laughs> Oh, you yes. can't make men read books. It's hard. Yes. It's hard. Yes. But they could. If you could just put it, or if you could scroll, crawl it across the bottom of, say, a football game or a baseball <laughs> game, that's a format. Yeah, then they would, they would accidentally ticker. be reading it, like yes, sync the Kindle absolutely. with the TV. There, there's new technology. They think it's a box score, and it's not. Yeah, that's new technology that hasn't been invented yet. Yep. You've just nailed something right there. Uh, yeah, and if these cars start driving themselves, which yeah, what else are you gonna do? I just found out eighteen billion dollars has been given to Israel to work on that technology. So, see, no way. That is my. I think we all have a technology line that we're unwilling to cross <laughs> in our lifetime. Like my grandfather's is a cell phone. Right. Mine is self-driving cars. I'll tell you no what. Way. The only accident they've had so far is when the person driving hit the self-driving car i know which is crazy i, know. Yeah, I, I like awesome. it having we boys have... i'm like let a car drive them i don't want them please. driving the car. <laughs> please. here in austin we've i don't know about dallas but i know we've had these google self-driving cars yeah. uh for a year and a half or so down here yeah. uh and every time i see one coming i just turn <laughs> uh, I just, the robots I'm, are I'm taking playing over. it safe so far yeah the robots are winning no the, yeah i mean but then i drive past seven people all on their phones while they're driving and i'm like eh. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it's the first battle of skynet that's right guys will understand that reference <laughs> First battle sky the Terminator movie. See, this is why they need you. They need you. Yeah, I know. Need you. <laughs> well, um, and we haven't even mentioned how y'all are related. Will you, will you drop that one? Yes. Uh, father and son. Yep. And um, it's real sweet. When Josh was a baby, we found him in a gutter. No. And <laughs> uh, the other children begged to bring him home, and we did. <laughs> I've had a Moses complex ever since. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. stars. How many kids are there, Josh? How many siblings do you have? So I have um, a older sister and a younger sister. We're all in our mid-ish thirties, um, and so and Jimbo actually had all three of us by the time he was twenty-four. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Ouch! Wow. Yep! Wow! Wow! That's yeah. a lot. We figured out how to stop. We got footy pajamas, <laughs> separate beds, and it was remarkable how the baby stopped <laughs> appearing, like a Dick Van Dyke but show. You- yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So I started, uh, but we had our, I now have two. We have our third on the way in September. Um, but our first was born when I was 30. Mm. And Jimbo is an empty nester at like 42. Yeah, 42. So that's, that makes Yo. me very jealous. That's really interesting. I hadn't even thought beautiful. about like how the generation before us got to be empty nested sooner. So quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just got to, I was married the day I turned 20. That's just what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You graduated high school and you got hitched and you went on about your life. Yeah. And not so much anymore. No, I know. And waiting longer and longer and getting our master's degrees and all that stuff. And so, so, uh, Josh, you followed in your dad's footsteps with the career path, kind of took on the family business sort of. 
Which, yeah, which is kind of interesting. It wasn't always the family career path. Um, Jimmy was in youth ministry, so he did church work for about 20 years. And it wasn't until I actually was in college that he switched over to counseling. Um, and so it was five years into Jimmy's career in counseling that I uh, joined him. Um, but yeah, so he started the center, the Timothy Center in Austin, Texas, 15 years ago. And probably my Junior or senior year of college is when I finally decided um, that I, I wanted to pursue this. And so went on and got my master's, Ph.D., and the rest is history. You know, before that, he was really focused on synchronized swimming. Hey, I was a synchronized <laughs> swimmer. How did you know, Jimmy? Ah, How did you know? You were not I totally, oh, totally was. So he's he's totally blushing. Was. Oh he was making fun. You were going to mock me. Bad. You were mocking me. <laughs> yes. Me and Esther. Yes. Me and Esther in our little cast. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's a gr- it's. Very difficult. So, so Josh, he, it was going to be a really hard road either way. <laughs> either, way. either way. So he uh, he was not actually making fun of synchronized swimming. He was making fun of my five eight two thirty frame. <laughs> <laughs> the improbability of floating could have gone either way. Yeah. Well, I am so thankful that y'all work together and you've developed this podcast as a resource that I can refer people to. And I thought today, actually, it was Josh's idea, so I'm just going to throw it on to Josh. One topic that y'all have been speaking on, and there's so many, y'all release two podcasts every Monday, four months, uh, two times a year. And so if y'all want to learn about any topic, you can go, go listen to these guys. But Josh thought it'd be a good idea to talk about pornography today. What do you think? Yeah. Let's just do that. I'm I'm sorry about that to your audience. Well, we just, we were with the church on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, here in Austin. And, I, and let me pause. Sorry, Jimbo. It's Grace Covenant Church, and they're actually putting out – we did an hour-and-a-half-long seminar, and they're putting it online. Wow. Sorry, okay, go ahead. So I'll put a link. And what is cool that I'm, I'm – uh, one of the other things that we do, uh, I'm a family pastor at Life Austin okay. uh, here in Austin. And about four years ago, I guess, we had a porn Sunday. Okay. And, you know, people hear that, and they sort of pucker uh, <laughs> at the thought – of 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 acknowledging the elephant in the room yeah. at church, yeah. and I was so proud that here you know here came Grace Covenant. Uh, they had two, they had their two worship services, but from from college up, all Sunday school filtered into a porn conference, mm. and so it was the closest thing to porn Sunday you can get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know when we see that fifty percent strike that more like sixty percent of Active church-going men, uh, over – this is something – over 30% of active church-going women yeah. have intentionally sought out and viewed a pornographic website. Uh, over 50% of pastors would say that they not just have seen pornography but struggle with pornography. Uh, this is it, – it, it's such a devastating – tentacles of pornography just reach everywhere – and, and I'm so proud of churches that go, you know what? We're going to stop playing like this doesn't Absolutely. Exist. Yeah. And when you, you know, you talk about the adults, but also with the kids, you know, you're, you're looking at 98% of males before they hit 18 are going to be viewing pornography. Um, if not necessarily on a regular, but a semi-regular basis, you're talking about the average age of males is close to 10 right about now. It's research is suggesting 11 and 12, but for females, first viewing is 12 to 13. Yeah. We think it's a, it's a guy problem. Uh, it really isn't uh, anymore, anymore. 
And so it's a problem that literally impacts every home. Mm. And we keep playing like it's not because, well, I certainly don't look at anything like, well, I know that my spouse would never, well, yeah, they are. Mm. I mean, you know, the numbers simply don't lie. And it's subtle. Don't you feel like it's, it starts subtle. It it kind of like any addiction. Well, sure. It's the the, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Or Instagram. You go to the search page on Instagram, they throw all kinds of stuff in there. You get, you get friended by something that's awful. Hideous. Yes. They throw it in your face. Yeah. There's a great resource for parents. Um, It's put out by Triple X Church. Yes. I was just going to mention them because I've had them on the show. Yes. Uh, Craig Gross. Did you have Craig on? No, I had a gal because they have a ministry to uh, strip clubs. And so, anyway, yeah. They're so great. I'll put a link to all that. Um, So, what's the resource? They have a website called iParent.tv. And its sole purpose is to say, hey, parents, here's what Snapchat is. Mm. Here's why, you know, here's here's what they'll tell you it was created for and what it's good for. Here's what your children are using it for. Uh, and they will tell you about it. For example, there's several out there, but there's a there's an app called Poof. And its sole job is to hide other offensive apps on a phone. Mm. Well, parents don't stand a chance right. in that environment where we're always the last one to the technological party. So this iParent.tv is a wonderful resource to say, well, for example, they just stopped. They used to put their stamp of approval on Instagram and said that it was okay to use. Mm. But within the last year, they said, no, 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 no. You know, actually it's full. People don't understand that Tumblr is the largest uh, purveyor of pornography on the internet. Mm. And that we're not talking Pornhub, or or uh, xvideos.com it is uh, it is tumblr uh, twitter is the largest purveyor the easiestly accessed uh, platform for child pornography and so our children have these and again I love it Josh mentioned the other day that yeah the first internet porn use is now right at about 10 years old for a young boy what's the average age they're getting their first smartphone right 10 years of age. Yeah, I, I love that you all have the say no to smartphones or say yes to dumb phones. What is your campaign? Because I'm <laughs> yeah, on uh, it. Dumb, Whatever campaign it is, yes, sign me up. What is it? It's dumbphone, dumbphonefamily.com. Yes. Um, and it's, it's simply suggesting that we should not give personal. So obviously we can have family iPads and stuff, but personal smart devices until high school. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, they hit ninth, ninth grade and they're magically going to be able to handle that technology. Adults can't handle smart technology for the most part when it comes to pornography, um, but they're going to get it four years from ninth grade anyway in college. So we, we have to be training them up. So we just suggest high school is a good time. OK, yeah. so let me tell you, we had a we had an event at our school where someone came in and they were educating us on all the apps, which I feel like. It's kind of seven years behind anyway because you're never – like you said, you're never going to be up on the game. And one of the parents, you know, said they ha- their child had to have a smartphone for these reasons. And, yeah. One was they needed their music. Needed? Okay. Second <laughs> was that they're on a select volleyball team and all yep. of the girls oh, are from yep. different schools. And the, on- me in the, the only Point. place they can socialize is on Snapchat. We get this all the time. Yeah. What? Okay, so then, so, so then it's just parents 
all buying into the same lie, and the kids are well. But it's I'm also it's yet. also schools. Yet, mm. Schools are providing smart yeah. technology. Yeah. You know, you have coaches using smart technology to contact athletes. Yeah, everything that we want our child to have a phone for, which is to be able to call them, text them, can be accomplished in the dumb part of the right. phone. Everything they get in trouble for is accomplished in the smart part of the right. phone. Therefore, this is not a smartphone problem. It's a dumb parent problem. Right. We keep handing them the technology, and then we are shocked with what they do with it. Do you think it's there's like going to be handing a, them a Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a switch bitten? back? Like, do you think the next generation of parents will get it right, or is this like, I just, I just don't get it. I think it. we're already seeing it to a degree. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, Paul said, Hey, everything may be okay for me to do, but it's not good for me to right. do. Uh, and just because the technology is there does not, um, mean that we have to take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, 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 if I thought I was 13 and I had a, a mechanism in my pocket, like George Jetson, that I could film, video, take pictures of everything I was doing 24 seven and upload it to the world. Well, I just thank God. Yeah, that we didn't. Oh my yep. goodness. Because I'd have been doing the same thing. Well, and the girls and the drama. Like if I, I just yes. need to write it in my journal. I needed to write it in my journal, let it be buried for decades. I don't need that out and about yes. what I was thinking and the emotions and all of that. Yeah. Yep. That's dangerous. So I even was talking to some adults that they were wanting a different device. It's called a light phone. And it only calls a few numbers mm -hmm. and you basically yeah, like yeah. have your smartphone yeah. during the working hours. And then you, that light phone you have for, you know, emergencies in the evening, in the morning. Yeah. And there's a tremendous amount that can be done through the carrier. Yeah. Um, as well as just the, the basic monitoring and blocking software. I'm going to make a shameless plug yeah. for a, a book that I've got coming out in July. Okay. And it's, it's co-authored. By the way, none of his plugs are shameless. <laughs> Just well, to get that out there. I'm saying that. You just have to say so deflect from the fact that I have no shame whatsoever. We laugh on the show. He either quotes um, James Dobson or himself. Yes. <laughs> and, For all parenting And knowledge. I have at least a dozen signed Are there memes? autograph photos of myself. There's memes <laughs> everywhere. My Dr. Jimmy. Yeah. All right. So the, the concept behind the book is George. Joseph George Barna is George Barna. And so he's got all these stats and he looks at what a 20 something is going to look like in the year 2030. Right. And of course, it's just revolting. And so the concept of the book is here are 10 fundamental changes. The good news about that 20 something in the year 2030 is that kid is still in your house right now. Mm -hmm. So we have an opportunity to avoid that outcome. And here are 10 things that we as Christian parents have got to fundamentally change about how we're parenting to avoid that outcome. Mm. And one of them is to rethink and uh, reframe how we view and use technology. Mm. And again, not providing them smart technology uh, when they're young uh, for families to take. Um, not, you know, I, I, people will fast, you know, once a year, you know, I, over Lent, I gave up uh, social media. Uh, that's great and wonderful and everything. But we suggest that we have a Sabbath rest. So one day a week, we are simply not going to plug in or turn on yeah. on a regular basis. So our kids know I can go strike our kids, us. We know that we can go 24 hours without 
uh, checking what we missed. We were never our children. Forget about the porn and all the extraordinarily dangerous stuff that's online. We now know that we were never intended to be connected to social media, excuse me, to just social interaction 24 seven. So that if I was bullied at school when I was little, okay, I went home and I had to face it the next day. No, no, no. Now you're being bullied at home in your bedroom 24 hours by people around the globe that don't even know you. Mm. The, the, the intensity of bullying and shaming is, is magnified a hundredfold than what it ever was when we were growing up. Such a good point. And what's the name of that book with the Barna? It's called Fearless Parenting. And it's coming out uh, this about- summer? July. You can pre-order now on Amazon, but it's uh, put out by Baker. I'm a big fan of Barna Group books. Big fan. It's one. It's wonderful because I would. I'd be trying. I'd be trying to convince people of something. I'd go. It, it was like I had my own personal Google. <laughs> hey George, can you give me some stats to back this up? <laughs> It was wonderful. If Barna says it, it must be true. So, all right. So we've talked about like the avoidance, like there's just the dumb phone option so that our kids never get hooked into this. But for the mom listening who may have a suspicion that she has a problem, maybe it's not a suspicion. She knows she has a problem or she might have a suspicion her husband has a problem. How do we approach this addiction you know, in a healthy way, like you can't just walk in and be like, are you addicted to porn to your spouse? It's not going to go over well. Um, yep. How do you how do you suggest handling this? The, the first thing we have to do. So addiction research and there's plenty of it out there now that suggests that um, pornography is the new drug of choice, that neurochemically it functions very similarly to a drug. And so there's a lot of research on the addiction of uh, addictiveness of pornography. Um, Addiction research also suggests that we've got to learn to think past the reward. So when we view pornography and when we, can I say masturbate? Yeah. On the you show? totally can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when we, we when we masturbate, it, it really attacks and it connects with the reward, the dopamine, the reward centers within the brain. Um, and so that's when that that addiction really comes about. And so we've got to learn to think past the reward. Um, and what that means is we can't just stop. So when we have the the impulse or the temptation, all we really tend to focus in on is the reward of it, the viewing of it, the masturbation, the orgasm. We we have got to learn to. Now you just said orgasm. I know. Sorry. I'll give all sorry, the sorry, warnings. Sorry. No worries. We'll just say, don't listen to this out loud with your kids. We'll just earbud alert. Earbud and, alert. And yeah, forgive us. Uh, this is like the conversations we have every day. Hey, so sorry. Hey, I just that's fine. spit it that's out there. Fine. But we've got to train our brains to not just think about that reward, but what's the devastation that comes right. After the reward, the guilt and the shame, the relational disconnect, the spouse that's hurt, we have to learn to think past the reward um, and see what our lives have been like after the reward uh, actually goes away um, and our, our brain chemistry returns to normal when we have that guilt. Second uh, Corinthians 7 talks about godly sorrow leading to repentance. At the end of the day, I think with pornography and really with anything, what it comes down to, we have to reconceptualize pornography. So many people that I see in my office, they see it as a victimless crime, that there's no one being hurt by it. And so therefore, they're not broken over the issue and they don't have godly sorrow. Um, and so we have to begin to realize in, in, in an effort to think past the reward that there are a tremendous amount of victims when it comes to pornography. I had a, a gentleman, you know, in his 40s 
and he was addicted. And so that's why I was seeing him and he, um, uh, fell off the wagon. And during, so he came in and he admitted that he had viewed pornography that week. And so I said, as I'll do with a lot of folks, I said, okay, now describe to me what you were viewing, uh, describe it in detail. And so he's telling me what it was. It was five guys, this one girl. And okay, were they inside? Were they outside? Was there music? Was there not? What did it sound like? What were they doing? And so he had his eyes shut and he was, I said, I, I need detail. And so he was giving all this detail as to what was going on. And I said, okay, stop right there and keep your eyes shut. Now I want you to take that girl out of the scene and Emily, your 12 year old daughter, put her mm-hmm. in. And his eyes flew open and he just went, oh, well, that's just disgusting. You know, yeah, <laughs> it was disgusting before you put Emily in the shop. I mean, but as long as that girl was not known, was not a human being, it's this depersonalization, the objectification of women. She was simply an object, mm. a dehuman object. Mm. And we and when you if you can imagine how many thousands of these videos that you would have to have viewed over years and years and years and years and years to stop looking at women as an object for your sexual gratification. And and for a 10 year old boy, porn is going to be teaching that child what is sensual, what is erotic. And then and I don't care who you married, they're not going to be able to fulfill what's in your head. And if you've got a young, because you said you have a lot of young moms, I just, and this is not to scare anybody, but it certainly is to wake up and smell the freaking coffee Mm -hmm. that your daughter will never date one boy, Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter, will not date one young man who has not been significantly influenced by hardcore pornography. Mm. And this is why you have these discussions uh, between your husband and your and Now, you talk about it when they're small. How are we going to handle technology? What are we going to do um, about limiting? Because the idea is not to lock them in a basement, which is our natural, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's our go-to, is I'm just going to. And that's another thing that we talk about in, in the fearless parenting is instead of being afraid of culture, We've got to equip our kids to engage and win in culture. And we have done a really poor job with with sex in our homes. We have created this taboo uh, that we don't mom and dad don't have sex. Sex doesn't exist. We may see people being shot and killed on TV. But if there's a a heavy making out scene, we lunge in front of our children because that Right. Is you can't see that. We've had a great um, guest on uh sh- she has a site birds and bees dot birds dash bees dot org maybe dot com. I'll put a link in there. She's come on the show and just helped parents even from the youngest age start the conversation. It's not a one time talk, but it's a yes. you being the expert and you having your value statement as a family, whether it's biblically based or not, even if you're not a Christian, having a statement about what you believe sex is. For yes. us, it's, you know, a gift and given by God intended for marriage. So then everything's filtered through that. And, through that, and, yeah. And, you know, those statements going in first before they're exposed. Same with the technology and the apps. We're never yeah. going to be able to 
keep them from every single thing that they're yeah. exposed to. But if prohibition is not the answer, no. So if we don't it's have equipping. an open dialogue, she always says when they ask a question related to sex, no matter how how old your kid is, if they're a three year old or a ten year old, yes. you always respond with. I'm so glad you asked. So yeah, that it's not yeah, this it's like, like deer in the headlights yes. horror. The kid's like, oh, I know never to bring that up again. <laughs> Our children need to know mom and dad have sex. Yep. They think sex is fantastic. Yeah. And sex was God's idea. Yep. And it's a wonderful thing that God created for a husband and a wife. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. And we're sexual beings. Yeah. And if we're teaching our kids this from the youngest, if you think about how much shame we have attached to sex, again, it's the third rail. Mm-hmm. We do not acknowledge it or ever talk about it. Uh, and it, even our private parts, we call them yeah, private she's parts. Big on using we don't say penis yeah. and vagina. Yeah. Well, oh, don't touch your doodle. <laughs> That's nasty. Your doodle. Don't. And it's like those are the body parts that must not be named. Yeah. No, you, she's real big on using the labels. And yeah, you guys would Absolutely. like her. You should, she's a, she's a Texas you, girl. You'd like her. Yeah. And there, speaking of great people you need to interview. I don't know if you've had Julie Lyles Carr Mm-mm. on yet, but she just wrote a book a few months ago called Raising an Original. Mm. And it's a little odd to use her an example, her and Mike, but they because they have eight children. Mm. But they would have like this sign on their bedroom door. It was like, hey, if the bed's rocking, don't come knocking or something <laughs> like that. And from an early age and kids would stay here, her children would go, oh, you've got to be kidding. Not again. Come on, people. This is like twice this week. Mm. And but they knew mom and dad had sex. They talked about it openly. So when this young child gets into sixth grade and someone says, hey, you know, this is what sex is and blah, blah, blah. Your child, instead of going, oh, can we talk about that now? Because I'm so infatuated with this taboo subject. Instead of that, it's like, well, no, that's not it at all. I know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. I know what it's for. And what you're doing is really bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, the way we handle sex right now, we are serving our children up to the porn industry on a platter. And so it starts so much younger and it's so much more than just blocking. It's normalizing sex in our homes, talking about it like it's a beautiful, great thing. Mom and dad have it. It's so important for one more quick thing. It's, It's so important for sons to see their fathers pursuing their moms sexually. Right. And I can see some of your listeners cringing when I say that because, oh, that's just that's horrible. I'm not saying put bleachers in the bed. <laughs> I'm saying you kiss your right. wife on the neck. You 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 are physically affectionate because if if we don't show that our, you know, their mother, my wife is worth sexual pursuit, then they are left with just the models on television and online. And uh, once again, we are setting them up. To the porn industry, we've got it. It starts really young, normalizing and really reframing uh, how our kids view sex. So for the mom listening, who's really in pain right now, like knowing the negative impact porn has had on their relationship, that her husband isn't as attracted to her as he should be or that it's caused a disruption in their marriage. What would you say to her? How would you encourage her? What what steps should they take for healing in that area in their family? 
So it's it's called a virtual affair because that's the, the emotions, the outcome of discovering that a spouse is viewing pornography. And so, you know, even though it's not a physical affair or even an emotional per se affair, uh, grabbing some good affair. Uh, there's a Rick Reynolds out of Austin does a lot of good, not only counseling here in Austin, but online stuff on affair recovery. So any great book or resource on affair is, is a good first step. Um, that said, we often in our own pain want to approach our spouse and have them feel, um, our emotions as strongly as we do. And one of the biggest results of that can be really toxic shame thrown on the spouse. And so when we, when we approach our spouse, we have to communicate our sorrow over the issue Mm. But it needs to be clear that we believe that they did something bad, but they are not a bad. Um, and that's the idea of toxic shame. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we're when we're appropriately when our husbands or wives, if it's if it's that uh, situation, when they understand that they did something wrong, but they are not wrong, that they still have worth and value. That's when they can actually connect with this idea of godly sorrow and begin to take steps in the in the right direction. You know, when I when I shared with my own wife, uh, Katie, regarding my struggles and my usage and saw her tears, she did such an amazing job um, early on in our marriage of not shaming me mm-hmm. um, and not connecting me with that idea of toxic shame. So I would begin with um, some affair resources. Rick Reynolds, Affair Recovery is great for that. Um, I would also, when approaching our spouses, make sure that you're not communicating in word or action uh, this idea of toxic shame, that they actually don't have worth and value because they did this to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a third thing, it's a natural tendency to then pull away from them sexually. Right. Um, and that's kind of the last thing we, we need to do and want to do. Um, again, there's going to be some time to heal emotionally from that, but it can't be months and years that we remove our presence sexually because that's really one of the biggest things they need in that moment. Anytime we approach our spouse with a wagging finger, mm. it's going to go sideways. Yeah. That is that is not how you handle any issue within a marriage by taking the moral uh, self-righteous high ground, Mm -hmm. because is this bad without question? Uh, However, we cannot um, judge anyone and that spouse or not. We can't judge anyone simply because they may be sinning differently than I am. So are there are they looking at porn? Yes. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely. Well, let's list all the things alphabetically or just off the top of my head, the things I'm doing that are displeasing to God. So the first thing is humility uh, and it's and it's non shaming. And however you approach it, if you approach it with humility and a lack of an attempt to shame. Uh, it's going to go so much better. Well, I'm thinking about your your example with the affair, um, and and let's say a man and and a, the man is using the pornography, and the woman. There's this element um, when men feel disrespected when you use the shame, and she's feeling unloved, and then she's going to turn inward. She's going to feel guilt, like was yeah. I not enough? Um, especially yeah. these young moms that are physically exhausted. They are not interested in sex whatsoever, but they feel all this guilt already of not meeting their husband's needs in that way. And then they discover that their husband's been turning to other 
options and and it it's so complex like you said and it's the the wives need to understand it's so much more than them yeah it's it's not it's not like the man is i'm no longer interested in my wife um you know therefore i need this por- they had pornography long before they probably even met their wives Interesting. okay so it's 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 they're connected to pornography long so it's 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 bigger it's a, it's a it's a it's a larger thing but that said they're going to experience those those hurts you know a woman's core question that she's trying to answer uh with her uh, in life but specifically with intimate relationships like a marriage is am i lovable mm-hmm. um and so you're obviously going to experience uh that hurt and pain and that's going to suggest that no i'm not enough yeah um, and you need to work through that with your husband. Um, but a, a man's core question that he's trying to answer him, am I adequate? Mm. Um, and so when we toxically shame our husbands, that's communicating the opposite. And that's when their defenses are going up. So absolutely, wives, you need to work through those really difficult emotions, but in a sensitive way and in a non-condemning way. And in verbalizing, I feel rejection or I feel I feel unloved at this time and so that he can take it off of I was unsatisfactory or I didn't measure up. Yeah, It's coming together in this. That's my hope is that us bringing up this topic doesn't cause bombs to go off around the world where marriages are actually hurt, but that you discovering an addiction with either spouse that you would come to a healing place and a coming together and a working together. How do you deal with, okay, let's, you know, you talked about the guy coming into your office and he fell off the wagon. You know, it's kind of this, again, that another layer of shame. How would a wife approach or a husband approach if they found out their spouse they thought was recovered hasn't been? You know, it, it, for me, and Jimmy, you can speak to this, but um, also, but, you know, it goes back to, again, we need to work towards redemptive brokenness. Mm. Um, they need to redouble up their efforts, um, transparency and accountability. Um, and so whether it's grabbing, you know, going to celebrate recovery, a CR group or, or talking to a local pastor or counselor, you know, if you don't necessarily have friends that can facilitate that, um, you know, and we also talk about prohibitions, not the, the best case scenario, just removing the technology. But addiction research also suggests that we need there's about a three month come a time there. There's a three month gap that we need to kind of clear our bodies and heads from whatever substance or issue we might be addicted to. So, you know, removing smart technology for a period of three months can be a really healthy option. Yeah. Um, and obviously we want to give back that smart technology, whether it's kid or spouse. But if this happens three or four times, you know, you might want to to think about giving it up for good or a period of a year or more, Um, because at some point, smart technology can't be more important than our marriages. Mm, That's a good statement right there. All right. Any last thoughts? I appreciate all of this is so helpful. And I know that wives could tell their husbands to listen to this one because y'all are great. Y'all are just very relatable. And you need to hear it. And they need to hear it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But get in here and listen to this. <laughs> and in any opportunity that Jimmy can hear himself talk, that's right. is yes, a really that's good opportunity. If people just enjoyed me as much as <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. Well, and y'all, once again, hosts of the Paradox. Pair uh, Docs. Do you get it? Get it? They're both doctors. Oh, yeah. Pair of Docs. Uh, go find it on iTunes, and uh, y'all have a site, I'm sure, Paradox.com. Yeah, it's pa- ParadoxPodcast.com, and Paradox is P-A-I-R-A-D-O-C-S, ParadoxPodcast.com. So good. 
Thanks, y'all, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. So does everyone listening. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Adios. Okay, and like I always tell you, these resources are available over at godcentermom.com in the show notes. But if you don't want to have to keep going over the website and you just want that info to come straight into your inbox, go on over to godcentermom.com and one time put your email address over in the right-hand column. There's a place. Put it in there. Select weekly episodes and all of these notes and resources will pop right into your inbox every Monday when I publish a show. Super easy. Just trying to help you out here. I hope you all are encouraged. I wanted to share a couple of extra resources since we're talking and these are in the show notes. Uh, the the guys over at their podcast also talked about pornography. You can, If you want to hear more from them, you can go over there. They've interviewed so many amazing people. Uh, and they do interviews, but they also do their own little shows. One thing they mentioned in their show on pornography is this canine web protection, which is a software package you can get to help protect your family from any any information you don't want them to accidentally run into on the internet. I'm also going to check out for myself, for our family, the circle feature from Disney. It's basically something that you put your router into, and so it helps you manage any device in your home. So I kind of like that because we can decide which device has what level of filtering. We can set hours and times on it. We can, we can you know, if a friend comes over with a device, uh, it's kind of keeping them from bringing anything, I think. This is why I need to look into it. But I wanted you all to know in case you were on the hunt for some sort of way to control what information comes into your house. So those are a couple things I wanted to mention. And probably this week on Facebook or Instagram, I'm going to ask for your ideas of how y'all manage internet things in your family. And we can all learn from one another. Uh, like Covenant Eyes and all of those different resources. I we are, we are wanting it and needing it in our own home. Also, last episode with Charity Reeve, I mentioned Hello Mornings as this resource I've used to help me get the habit of meeting with God every day. And Catley, who started that, who inspired me to get up early, who inspired me to start a podcast, she and I co-hosted this new podcast called Hello Mornings. And I didn't know, but it was going live last week. What are the odds? And in only a way God could do, it was number two in all religion podcasts. And it made the top 200 of every podcast that's out there in the world. There's like only two podcasts in that whole list that have anything to do with God. I think the other one's Joel Osteen and ours. So if someone's looking for something new to listen to, they could stumble on this Hello Mornings podcast and hear about Jesus. So cool. So cool. So go check out that podcast if you're wanting to start your own habit of waking up early but don't know. You have maybe some night owl tendencies. We give some tips on how to get around that, and we'll be releasing more episodes in the upcoming weeks. I'm going to be recording some new shows for y'all. I'm going to be talking to Barnabas Piper. He's John Piper's son. He's the author of Pastor's Kid, a new book, Curious Christian. And he went on the Israel trip with me. So he and I are going to talk about the social and cultural issues of Israel. He's also a single dad. So I thought I might ask him some questions about that. Thank you all for your resources. You mentioned on Facebook for an ADHD uh, expert who also loves Jesus. I've got lots of options. I considered changing the show to the ADHD centered mom because obviously there's a need. There's lots of us out there that are struggling with uh, what to do 
with these kiddos who are awesome kiddos, but have a little bit of extra energy and difficulty focusing, and so we need some help. So I'll be bringing one of those shows on. I have a couple other ideas, a couple other interviews lined up. I just finished one interview with Heather Hopped that she'll be coming on the end of May to talk about nights and training. Have not stopped thinking about our conversation. So all good things coming your way. Stick around in the upcoming weeks. Show me where you're listening. I love seeing you on Instagram and tag me so I know where you are. Um, I'm so grateful for how y'all share with your friends and you are my marketing team. Uh, It's just me out here in my closet and uh, you are so helpful in getting out there and spreading the word and helping other moms uh, do their best to keep God in the center of their mothering. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.